The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The very first piece of content we created, um, I believe, was actually for our factory because the factory was, um, uh, you know, not being all that responsive. I mean, you know, footwear factories have people reaching out to them to start things all the time. And uh, it wasn't until we created this, this uh, uh, you know, like a 60-second spot and sent it to them. They're like, whoa, this is different. Mm. And this is this is exciting. And then from that moment on, things started to pick up a lot faster. I remember that video. Yeah. And, uh, um, and when you look back, we go back to look at these things now. It's just uh, yeah. uh, it's uh, eye-opening, to say the least. We are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control. That taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness. That chasing excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run, always chasing, never stopping. Welcome back to another episode of Chasing Excellence. How are you, Ben? Good, Patrick. Today we are joined once more by another friend of yours. (laughs) Why don't you um, introduce the individual sitting between us? So this is Marcus. Marcus is uh, one of the founders of Noble. Um, Noble, the shoe and apparel company that's kind of um, taken a little bit of the CrossFit space um, by storm. Um, so I'm, I'm super excited to have Marcus on because, um, I am also one of the the founders of the space. And when, um, this kind of, um, the, this, um, thing that we started together, I, I, I didn't know what it was that we were creating. You certainly did. Um, maybe we changed paths a little bit, but I knew I wanted to be a part of you and Michael, the other co-founder, because I could see what you guys were doing, what you guys had envisioned and the excellence that oozed out of you guys. So super excited to have you on here. So hopefully we can pull out some of what those, uh, what that excellence looks like. Let's begin maybe at the beginning. Um, Marcus, uh, how do you know Ben? How did, how did this relationship start? Uh, and then we'll work our way into the beginnings of Noble and, and we'll sort of see where the conversation goes from there. Uh, great. So first of all, thank you uh, for having me. This is a, uh, uh, I'm really excited about it. Um, I'm very curious to see where all these things go. Uh, <laughs> and you're going to have to reel me in periodically because I may just start going okay. off on all sorts of stories. So okay. uh, very excited to be here. Uh, so uh, Ben and I met in 2010. I don't know if you actually remember. I remember you yeah. walked. I remember. I'm, I'm, I know the exact story. Yeah. Said. So my, yeah. my kind of, you know, my uh, CrossFit journey began, you know, here at CrossFit New England. And I was in the startup space uh, at the time. And I either, you know, eat right and train hard or I don't do either. Mm. And uh, I, you know, uh, my wife was pregnant with uh, uh, our second daughter, six months pregnant. I, you know, went into a startup um, and just stopped eating right, stopped exercising, all those things. And one morning, like, hurt my back, you know, like putting on my socks, something like that. I was like, oh my God. Um, and literally called into the office said, I'm not coming in today. Came to CrossFit New England, uh, walked in and Ben said, how are you? I said, I'm not doing well. Sign me up and basically tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. And um, 
you know, after a few months uh, at CFNE, I started to kind of the, the competitive juices started to flow and I started to feel really good. Um, there was a, uh, at the time, I think they started a 90 day paleo challenge and I was just like all in on that. Uh, and after about 45 days, my wife's like, you need to kind of, you know, <laughs> dial it down a little bit. Cause you got like ripped and shredded from you. Like how much? Yeah. I went you from, like, like- uh, you know, I was, I was, you know, 200 pounds when I graduated from college mm-hmm. and then, uh, and always in that kind of 200 to 205 uh, space. Uh, at that time when I came in, I was like almost 230 and I didn't realize it, you know, I'm six, three. So I guess it kind of does, you know, yeah. I can hide it, it a little bit. A little yeah. Bit. yeah. Um, but I just did not, I was not in a good place. Yeah. And um, within six months I was at like 189 or something like that, 185. Um, and uh, uh, you know, it felt good. It felt really, really good. Um, but then I did need to dial things back just a little bit um, uh, to find the right balance. Are you the type who, when you find something, you are 125% addicted might be a strong word, but addicted to it? Yeah, I, yeah. I go down rabbit holes yeah. in, in all sorts of uh, yeah. uh, fun ways. Where uh, where, or what was the startup um, that you were in at that point? And is it related at all to the space that you're in now? No, it's actually, it, it did flow through uh, uh, CrossFit New England as well. So a little bit on my background, I uh, uh, used to be the head of brand strategy at Reebok. Okay. And so I left Reebok to help um, the former CMO start a venture capital firm. And one of our initial investments was a company called Idea Paint. And it's like the paint you can paint on a wall and write yep. on it. Um, and that's a, it, the very first time I met Ben was just through Idea Paint. So Idea Paint was here at, at uh, CrossFit New England. They came in and painted a wall. And Marcus yeah. came in and was like, cool, yeah. this is cool. Wow. Oh, this is cool. Oh, this is kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, and I'd never heard of CrossFit actually until yeah. that time. And so, And so then when I started to feeling like I've got to get back in shape. It was, uh, uh, you know, all about CrossFit and coming here to CrossFit. Yeah, I remember Idea Paint launching. Didn't they, they, they were pretty heavily toward or trying pretty heavily to get into the CrossFit space. Yeah, that was me uh, yeah. trying oh, heavily to get so into the CrossFit space. Of, oh, well, yeah, cool. the, the whiteboards and all these yeah, things, yeah, yeah. it was no, just like it a, was an a logical, obvious connection. Yeah, it was, yeah. A, it was a logical audience. Okay, so how long between starting CrossFit um, and and maybe, you know, doing the, the VC thing did... Um, did it take before you saw something in this space, in this world that you felt like you could do something um, other than idea paint, other than the VC thing? Uh, how long before, um, whether it was noble as it is currently uh, conceived or something along those lines that you felt like, okay, there's something here I want to try to do? Yeah, so um, got really into uh, into CrossFit in the space and thinking about wanting to do some things there. And then when I was at uh, Reebok, uh, Michael Schaefer, uh, my partner now um, was the uh, uh, the creative director there, mm-hmm. so responsible for footwear and apparel design globally. Yep. And Michael and I would get together. Um, you know, we'd have breakfast on a monthly basis, talking about what it would be like to start something. Mm-hmm. And we both kind of started the CrossFit journey around the same time. So he really got into it. I really got into it. Um, and you know, probably it was probably around 2012 is when we thought like if we don't try it now uh we won't and we'll regret it um but michael had a non-compete at reebok so we didn't start in that space and so that's actually we had the idea for you know a training brand Mm -hmm. um but we launched a marketing design agency with the idea of launching our own brands out of it and helping clients with similar needs and that's actually when we came Mm -hmm. to talk to ben we said we have this kind of wild idea it wasn't called noble we didn't like we didn't know what it would be um and, uh, and, and Ben said something that was really, that really stuck with me, which is like, he's like, I don't know what this is going to be. Um, but I believe in you and Michael 
and would love to be a part of it. Um, and so those early days, that was two, that's like 2014, probably. Man, I'm trying to place it. What's funny is I didn't really, until you just told that little story, I didn't realize that like uh, you came here and I was coaching you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and on the flip side, I was a coach at Reebok. So I was coaching mm. Michael. I didn't even and know so that it's just like kind of this little like triangle. Yeah. So I coached at Reebok yeah. and helped start up the gym there. Oh, okay. Um, and I was coaching him there as yeah. well. And it's like, I didn't even realize, put the whole, until you said like, yeah. we started our CrossFit careers together at the mm. same time. The reason he started was because yeah. I was there as well. So yeah. that's really interesting. Yeah. But yeah, you, um, that little um, um, collaboration of these uh, different training brands and the ideas where there was um, the idea for like a, a surfing company, which was, I remember that. Um, the idea was to speak to the, the, the surfers that were being not spoken to. It was all about, you know, just the West Coast and how there's so many surfers that, are these hardcore, you know, East Coasters and Great Lakers and people yeah. that surf through the winters. And it was, I, I was like, ah, don't know. And then there was the idea, like create a, a synergistic um, kind of sister training brand. And I was like, okay, but um, I, I believe that whatever you guys put your effort into is going to, I can, you can, yeah. you can see it, you, you know, certain people ooze excellence and it's like, you can see it and you can, you know, it's going to happen. But I was, I was a little hesitant of like, which of these ventures they go towards are they going to get most excited about? So I just want to be a part of whatever they were creating. Um, and then as the whole thing developed, it became really evident, and Marcus speaks to this better than I can, about where the opportunity was inside the CrossFit space and the training brand. Yeah. Before we get to that, I'm really curious. You said something um, that's interesting maybe to unpack, which is that some people ooze excellence. What does that mean? And how do you know and... How do you become one of those people? So that's a, that last one's a big question. Yeah, but, um, but how do you, but how do you, how can you see it and recognize it? So I think the first the, it's it's this um, mix of um, passion and competency, mm -hmm. right? Somebody that is as has the right tools in the toolbox. So Marcus is an incredibly brilliant. You never know listening to him, but he's an incredibly brilliant <laughs> guy. Like in MIT, like MIT, and yeah. like head of training at like you know these huge massive companies, and then the VC guy. So like. The, the the pedigree and the education and the the necessary tools are there. Yep. And then there's maybe it's a three-headed monster, right? And then there's this passion. Like CrossFit changed his life. So he's incredibly passionate about this space and creating something that speaks to the community. And then the third one, which is maybe the most overlooked, and something that is just this level of like uh and, you know I, the word that pops in my head is I wish there was a better one is like common sense. Mm. Right. Just like this idea of like you can um, you, you're, you have your feet on the ground. You understand different aspects of it. It's not academic. And it's not just pure love and passion. And I ooze and bleed, you know, CrossFit and fitness. It's this level of combining those three things. And that's certainly what the Noble team was bringing across mm -hmm. the board. Because Michael's the same way. Mm -hmm. Michael's this brilliant creative mind and loves the fitness space as well. And is also just this um, super cool... Um, you know, he's the surfer guy. So mm -hmm. he's, he's the cool one of the three of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Michael may be the most interesting man in the world too. There's really? just like that. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I'm telling you like the surfing thing is like, no joke. It's like yeah. in the, it's a subculture in Massachusetts. Yeah. I so you don't surf in the, in the summer though, in Massachusetts, that's what nobody realizes. The storms are in, and the surf yeah. is in the winter. So he has these footage, these pictures, he's so artsy and yeah. so cool of these guys walking down these towns in like situate Massachusetts with four or five foot snow banks on the sides, plows going through and a guy walking down with a wetsuit and a snowboard. Mm. It's like this yeah. misplaced thing that just, it's so cool. Yeah, no, I came across 
that effort at again faster because we we tried to produce some a video about him doing that oh, that thing about and, Michael yeah oh, about Michael cool. and the brand I, mean, I didn't exactly, know that either right? it didn't go <laughs> yeah. very far because I think it was just hard to schedule and yeah, hard to, yeah. and the our, the kid who I was having do it was like he just got cold a lot so it was yeah. just like it was a great idea and the visuals were yeah. but it just it didn't, the visuals hard off incredible. yeah but anyways that's how I I was aware or familiar with that. Yeah. Um, Similar question to you because I know that you guys are very are very um, like minded. When when somebody, uh, what Ben was saying about sort of that that balance between um, you know passion, intellect, and common sense, which I think is a good way to put it. Do you have any? Do you have anything to add to that in terms of uh, how you spot people? You know, Michael, for instance, or even Ben, uh, who you're like, I'm whatever it is we're gonna do. I want to I'm gonna bet that I want to do it with that individual. Do you have anything to add to that sort of how you how you can measure that before you actually get into into the relationship? I think it starts with the gut, like you're just a gut feel and, you know, and, and a connection, right? So, you know, Michael and I, from the very kind of beginning, like when uh, um, he was interviewing at Reebok um, and he was at Reebok a while back and then was at, a, you know, a BMW and Puma and a few other places. But when he came back, I was already at Reebok. And even in the interviewing process, we just connected. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was just something there in terms of the way we saw the world and, and talked about it. Uh, but then there's also this very um, complementary uh, skill sets. Like we worked really well together. Michael is the most creative um, uh, person I've ever uh, I've ever met. And he just looks at things a little bit differently. Um, but when we talk about him, we kind of connect on what those things are. Mm-hmm. And I think with, uh, uh, with Ben, it was the same way, right? You know, it was the moment I walked in, uh, uh, to CFNE, we connected. Um, and it's one of the things, you know, to this day, whenever I'm out here, we will always, uh, after the six thirty class, we'll work out a little bit, um, and talk. And we talk about, you know, everything from training to nutrition, to life, to family, to all these things. Um, and we're, pretty much always on the same page with these things. Yeah. And, and, and I think exposing each other to, you know, different thoughts or different areas and, and all these things. And it's uh, super complimentary and Michael and I are the same way. So it's just like, you talk about people who build you up. Um, you know, I have kind of that relationship with these guys. I'm, I'm reminded of a quote from Peter Thiel, who you guys may know, he's a mm-hmm. huge VC guy. Um, and in his book, he's I'm paraphrasing, he says uh, effectively that the most important thing when starting something is the people you start it with. And it strikes me as both. Um, I know you certainly more than I know you, Marcus, but you guys are part of um, lots of really strong teams. And it's it strikes me that the at least a large part of why they're such good teams is because you consciously or not have been able to find the right people who maybe it's a complementary skill maybe it's it's that you 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 see the world you know the you know you have the same worldview i'm curious is that a is that a skill that you guys have developed in terms of being able to spot the people who you want to engage in whatever the project might be, whether it's for you, like CrossFit Tilt, whether it's the guy, you know, the team you have at Comtrain, Noble, uh, with Michael. Like, how do you, how have you guys, in your experience, uh, navigated knowing who and how to trust the right people? Because it seems as though it's a it's a skill, whether it's a skill or not. It seems to be a skill that you guys mm. um, have, and and you're you're leveraging it to to great success across you know lots of different areas. So I think it starts with trust and um, it doesn't always work out, but when it does work out, I think that there, 
it can be really powerful. A perfect example would be Todd on our team, who was the first person that we hired at Noble, actually before Noble, um, back in the agency and uh, with Surf Brand. Mm. And uh, we trusted him and we gave him lots and lots of room and he delivered time and time again. And so the things that he's accomplished, you know, in the last, you know, he, he joined us in, I think, 2013, um, that he's accomplished in the last uh, six years are very much a big part of the success of Noble. And I think it's because he had, you know, one, we gave him a lot of room to do these things. And mm. then two, he stepped up and crushed it. And so that would be a, a, a perfect example of um, leading with trust. Uh, but the reality is that it doesn't always work out. Um, mm. But I think next was just is clear and uh, open communication so that if something's not working to identify it, you know, label it and uh, put it on the table and have those conversations. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I love that because we talk about trust all the time yeah. here and internally we talk about it as the foundation of any strong relationship, no matter business or what mm -hmm. elsewhere. Um, in terms of the vetting process, finding those people. So certainly like, once they're on board, it's like that. Give them room, see what they got. Clear, definable um, objectives and measurables, and then see what they can do. And that, if they over deliver and over deliver, that breeds more trust and strengthens the relationship. In terms of the vetting process, in terms of finding those people before you have that opportunity, right. that's really tough. And I think that in the early days, I probably, um, as Marcus alluded to before, I went with my gut a lot, which is just like, is this the type of person that I could trust? And I used to talk about. There was my my um, kind of vetting process was, um, are they cool and do they care? That was the two things. It was like, are they cool? Meaning, could you go on a four-hour car ride with them and have a good time? That was because you can't go on a four-hour car ride with a person. Like, yeah. you don't want to work with this person. And then do they care? And the simple thing we did, we used to do there was like, why do you want to be a part of our organization? And if they talked about, well, I think this is a really good stepping stone for my career, or I think that, you know, being in front of, you know, with you, I, I give, further me as an athlete. That's not the care that we were looking for. It had to be about delivering to other people, you know, mm -hmm. improving other people's lives. We've since refined that a lot, fast forward 11 years. Um, and we have really defining things that we're searching for, which is um, from character traits. And we talk about that a lot in terms of humble, hungry, and people smarts. And we have measurables we're looking for, for they're not measurables, but really clear um, definitions of what those things mean. Um, and then from there, it's also um, understanding who the person or trying to take your best guess at who this person is going to be inside of your team so are they the type of person that dot 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 mm -hmm. that you could um give them the reins and hope that they kind of run with it or are they going to need to be micromanaged the type of person that's going to be an additional um benefit in these meetings that we have or are they going to be a distraction so it's i think that further defining just like we would with the roles and responsibilities of the of the position that people are being hired to be a part of in the team, defining the, the the characteristics, which is kind of this always a soft thing, right? Like, are they the right person? Like, and the right is just, people leave it at that. And if we can define what right actually is, it helps out a ton in that vetting process right. of finding the quote unquote right people. Right. Okay. So at some point you guys start talking about some venture. It feels like it's not a specific venture, but let, let's try to find something mm -hmm. to do together. Where um, where does Noble, 
in whatever form, you know, originally it was conceived of, where does that start entering into the conversation? You mentioned that Michael had a non-compete. So I'm guessing that shoe wear in general, there was some period of time where you guys couldn't talk about that, right? Yeah. It wasn't going to be that. Yeah. And then obviously at some point that non-compete ended. Was it like the next day? Like, okay, finally we can talk about let's make some shoes or like how, given, given your experience, both at Reebok, like it's not, illogical to 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 come to have you guys come eventually to to you know footwear and apparel but was it uh was it a bit of a journey to to get back to there or were you guys did you guys always know that all right this is this is yeah. where we can we can make make a dent we always knew uh that we were going to do something in the space and when we started the agency this is you know 2012 the 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 surf brand uh, was in late 2012 and I'd never surfed by the way. <laughs> so talk about trust yeah. um, uh, there. Um, but so we I'd launched to start a surfing company. Yeah. yeah. But only for people well, who yeah. do it in the winter. Exactly. People surf in the winter. Um, so you talk about trust, you know, the, yeah. the, the trust I had in kind of Michael's uh, vision for that brand was uh, enormous, but I had a lot of experience on the marketing side having, you know, uh, from the investment side, but also, you know, at idea paint, you know, I was originally on the board, but then stepped in uh, as a CMO to set up marketing. Yep. So I had a lot of experience kind of early on with the challenges um, startups have uh, with marketing. And um, so that's kind of, it was kind of bringing kind of Michael's vision of uh, and passion for surfing together with kind of my vision and understanding of early stage marketing yep. um, in those early days. And then we put the idea of, of Noble out, you know, a little bit further in the future. And as we started to kind of, you know, uh, play around with that and, and all the things that were going on within the CrossFit space, that's, you know, that's kind of when we came to Ben uh, around it. Um, mm. And that was super early. That was, you know, before... Uh, uh, before we had the name, before we had final product, we were starting to do some prototyping, um, and and we were doing we were we were launching a brand before we had product, and so one of the things in those early days, Ben would literally throw us the the keys to CF and E because we wanted to do we were working on some like night photography, mm -hmm. so we would come in at like you know 10 p.m. to mm -hmm. 1 a.m. literally just me and Michael, none of our own product just trying to create a mood mm -hmm. for what the brand could look like and feel like. And there are some times when I go down to Michael's uh, uh, house at night and we would be literally, he would be uh, uh, filming me, taking photos of like box jumps, movements. And by the way, Michael has no formal training in photography. So when I say he's like one of the most creative people I've mm -hmm. ever met, um, he taught himself photography. And so all of Noble's early content was Michael. And now we have a, a content team and all these things of, of, of amazing people. Um, but it was just us playing around with these things and also being comfortable with figuring it out. And so it would be times where we'd come to, to CFNE for these shoots, um, you know, lock up when we left, but it was, it was a process. And there were times where we would expect prototypes and we would expect, you know, all sorts of things uh, at a certain date from the factory and those things would come in late. And, um, uh, and it was tough, mm. you know, in, the, in, in making a decision when we had some initial, you remember 2014 at the games, um, uh, we had, we were expecting product that we were going to be able to like show. And this was before there was kind of exclusivity on footwear, uh, what athletes had to wear. And um, we were excited, you know, Ben was excited. We we're like, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And when we got them, uh, Michael and I looked at it and we're like, this just is not right. And so I remember showing, you know, those mm -hmm. early uh, prototypes to you at the games 
And you're like, so where does it go from here? We're like, we got to start over, mm. you know, and we step back. And that was a really hard decision, but it was absolutely the right one. And then we kind of officially launched uh, footwear at the 2015 ECCs. Yep. Um, and that was just a phenomenal experience. And from there, it, it was, you know, everything just clicked. So that, uh, I'm going to um, piggyback off that conversation. You just remember, mentioned the ECC. For those on, uh, that aren't familiar with that, that's the East Coast Championship. This a uh, um, event that I ran across the space for super high level competitors. Um, and it got a lot of attention in the space. That was the cementing factor for me that you got, that this was something that was going, it's so funny because it was when I came on board as the team, it was like, Hey, one of the thing, one of the, the, the values I brought was the fact that I ran this super high level competition that got a lot of exposure. This is a really good exposure thing for the brand. And I can remember going to you and um, that was the game plan. We we're going to mm-hmm. launch the ECC. It was going to be the title sponsor. We're going to get all the judges in it, give it to the competitors. And we're going to make this huge, huge, massive splash, you know, East Coast Championship presented by Noble, powered by Noble. And it's going to be this big, massive splash. And then um, coming back to you at one point and be like, hey, um, Reebok is um, coming back really heavy with an incredible offer. And I can remember like mulling through my head of like, this is not going to be received well, like from from Marcus and the team in terms of like, this was the idea. Like yeah. we're going to launch it. This was the launch, and we're going to be the title sponsor. And without the slightest hesitation, it was the response was, go with like go with them. Like it's better that what they're offering we can't match. And if it's better for the event, it's better for the sport. If it's better for the sport, it's better for us in the long run. And that was such this long-term view instead of like, what's better for us this week, this month, and this quarter, but in the long-term, what's, and it was like so refreshing because it was, I had met another um, team that thought about making the pie bigger and not getting their slice bigger. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly how I think about this all the time, which is if we can get more and more people doing this, our slice by definition gets bigger it's not about me trying to steal from the next person. And that's that was such a cool thing to, um, I was like, wow, they get it. Mm-hmm. Super cool. Um, you mentioned something, Marcus, that I, th- I think might be an interesting uh, conversation. But you, you mentioned that you spent some amount of time building a brand before you had a product. Not a lot of people <laughs> do that. Um, the ones that I think in the CrossFit space who have tried to do that have ultimately failed because they never figured out what the product was that they were trying to build a brand for. But how did you like, how did you think through that? How did you do that in a way that, um, uh, you were building the right brand before you had the product? Does that make sense? Cause a lot of yeah. people think, a lot of people think that, okay, I have the product now and let's do marketing on top of it. Right. But this is, this is flipping it in completely and saying, mm-hmm. we need to have a have an ethos first and then we'll put the product in where it fits. Um, but how do you how did you think through that? How did you do that? Yeah, so it was, it, it really came from the name. Once we had the name Noble, it, it became this filter um, that guided everything. Uh, and it's, you know, the, the whole mentality, you know, about uh, uh, being a brand for people who train hard and don't believe in excuses. Um, it is, you know, with the product. We try and keep the product simple so it performs with you you know f- the way you need it to uh and and nothing else and it was once we had that then we could start to set that 
kind of that mentality and it drives content, it drives everything else. So even with the content in the early stages, before we even had product, um, we were able to do that. And mm -hmm. then it was like, you know, Michael being very creative in the way he shot things so that you wouldn't see, you know, the, the shoes that I was wearing, but mm -hmm. it would just set a tone. So you wouldn't necessarily see what the product was, but you could feel it. Mm -hmm. And that's where, and we did a lot of it out of necessity because once we started working on it, we had kind of in those early days a timeline like we thought we were going to be launching, you know, at the the games in 2014. And so, but we didn't have products. We started to set the stage for it. And then when that was clear it wasn't going to happen and it was going to be delayed even more, then it was like forced us to get mm. even more creative around the way that we talked about the brand, the mentality. The very first piece of content we created, um, I believe, was actually for our factory because the factory was... Um, uh, you know, not being all that responsive. I mean, you know, footwear factories have people reaching out to them to start things all the time. And uh, it wasn't until we created this, this uh, uh, you know, like a 60 second spot and sent it to them. They're like, whoa, this is different. Mm. And this is, this is exciting. And then from that moment on, things started to pick up a lot I faster. I remember that video. Yeah. And, uh, um, and when you look back, we go back to look at these things now. It's just, a, yeah. a, it's a eye opening to say the least. But that's where it was out of necessity. And then, you know, again, with you know, this is going to be a reoccurring theme about like Michael and his creativity, he just sees things differently. Mm. And um, we were forced to do some of this stuff and it worked out yeah. really well. I want just that idea of because <clears throat> you keep on saying like Michael thinks of things differently and he certainly does. I don't want to undershadow how differently you think of things and approach things differently. And I would love so to me, like, um, Noble is almost like a disruptive brand. So the traditional model for selling shoes is you create, you know, a, a huge amount of inventory, mm -hmm. go to these retail outlets and third party sellers sell your shoes for mm -hmm. you. And you kind of flip that model upside down, which was let's create really and you, by the way, you have to have tons of skews, tons of different mm -hmm. like here's the running shoe and mm -hmm. here's the here's the nine running shoes yep, and yep. here's the basketball shoes yep. and here's this. Um, essentially noble came out with and kind of launched like there's the training shoe mm -hmm. and that was the shoe and then you did incredibly short limited runs that was sold online so it's kind of like the opposite approach mm -hmm. where did that um innovative approach come from if you even thought of it as innovative and um i guess how has it um worked and shaped noble and then is that still what's going on today or is there something um else in the works yeah so uh a lot of things i think with uh with most entrepreneurs come out of necessity so um <laughs> desperation some, yeah yeah exactly <laughs> so with it it was you know we wanted to develop a relationship with our customers with the community and we believe in the community and the customers and to your point earlier about the ecc about you know us saying if that's the right thing to do, you know, for the event and then do it, we'll fully support that. Um, we believe that, right? We believe in in doing things uh, to be helpful to the community. And so uh, with with that in mind, when we launched, it was like, okay, how can we go directly to, to consumers? And that was just clearly kind of e-commerce. Also, no retailer would talk to, you know, a, a brand with no history. How many shoes have you sold? Zero. Oh, okay. Yeah. Why don't you come? Isn't that such a huge, massive leap though for somebody selling shoes? Like shoes, like I'm not going to buy a pair of shoes unless I've tried them on. Like, I don't know where they get size 10 or 10 and a half. Like yeah. it's different. Is that, that's a, 
So that's a big leap for a lot of people, no? Yes. Well, the interesting thing for it is, is you know, again, the CrossFit community. If you think about what what the the CrossFit world looked like in um, you know 2014, 2015, it was not the the you know size global kind of sport it is now, and so no retailers were carrying. CrossFit shoes. Mm. And so if you were a CrossFitter, you know, a typical thing was, and I'm sure I was the same way. I walked into CrossFit New England wearing running shoes. And uh, as soon as I started to get kind of into it, um, I was like, I got to get rid of these. I need, you know, cross like shoes for CrossFit. Um, and that happens everywhere. It's interesting. And I'm sure you could do this too, but I can walk into uh, a CrossFit box anywhere in the world and kind of get a sense for where that box is in its development. Right. So I based was off in, the shoes based off the shoes. So I was in Vietnam and you see a lot more running shoes. You see fewer, fewer actual kind of uh, specific CrossFit shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's an interesting thing. And so back then, the only way to get shoes that were specific for CrossFit was um, online. And then the whole kind of e-commerce and Amazon and everybody's been getting more and more comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been an amazing space uh, for us uh, to launch into. And we were very fortunate around the timing of all these things a few years earlier and then there wouldn't be the e-commerce platforms uh like we're on shopify there would not be mm-hmm. that type of infrastructure you would be a tech company launching footwear right you'd have to build out your mm-hmm. own website um and so you know with shopify it was it is turnkey and so all we needed to focus on was the content uh and the product and so it's made it a lot easier and then when it comes to you know kind of you know things selling out first production run we made as many as we could <laughs> You know, that's, that, that was, that was how we determined it. Yes, exactly. How many can we make? Let's make that many. Okay. And then they sell out immediately and then you do it again and it sells immediately. And then you kind of like, is it kind of like, okay, this is kind of a cool business model because it drives demand or did it just stay that way of like, Hey, we're going to make as many as we can. And the demand is just there. So it's selling out. Was it like, like which came first, the chicken or the egg? Yeah. So it was, it was, uh, uh, we just made as many as we could for a very long time and they just kept selling out. So we were very fortunate. So it was the, you know, uh, we launched at midnight, uh, uh, the midnight of the ECC and 15 minutes before the launch, we found out that the shoes were going to be delayed until like May Mm -hmm. or June. So we thought it was going to be like a two week, uh, uh, delivery Mm -hmm. in two to three weeks. And it turned out to be, you know, uh, four to five. And you talk about that moment, you know, for right. you know, 30 seconds, like, okay, we're still going to launch. And um, uh, at 12.01, sales started to come in. And it was just, I mean, unbelievable. I'm like getting goosebumps <laughs> thinking about it now. It was incredibly exciting. Yeah. And we were sold out before it was produced. Yeah. And so then we were able to say, okay, now we can make even more. And um, we got into this kind of flow as long as we were setting proper expectations and, and meeting them. Um, uh, people were believing in what we were doing. And it was, uh, it was amazing, uh, absolutely amazing to see. Um, in a previous episode, Ben and I uh, talked about marketing and branding. And one of the things I made a joke of at the end, because we started talking about Noble a little bit, was that starting a shoe company, is, it seems to me, is as logical as starting like a cola company, right? It's like, like good luck, yeah. right? Um, I'm curious why... Can you put your finger on what you guys are doing that, that has allowed you to make your mark in a world of the Nikes and the Reeboks and the New Balances and the Asics and I could keep going with them. Mm -hmm. Like the world didn't need another shoe and apparel brand. 
That doesn't mean, of course, that there won't be plenty of successful ones. It's just it's not a lot, it's not a um, an obvious hole. There isn't an obvious hole in the market. Yep. Um, and so I'm curious. Obviously, you knew that you were coming. You were both coming from Reebok. You both knew what you were sort of up against and what the market looked like. What gave you the confidence? What did you know that you were going to do differently or better that was going to allow you to to yes to build that brand, but also just have the the product market fit to have mm-hmm. the um, have enough people interested in a new company and a new pair of shoes that you knew that you could like actually build a business out of it. Yeah, so it's interesting. If you look at the you know global footwear market, there are billion dollar brands out there. But as you start to kept, you know take a closer look, it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And if you think back to CrossFit again in, in 2014, 2015, it was only Reebok and Innovate at the time. And Nike introduced the Metcon the same month we launched which we thought was incredible because it was just going to bring more awareness. Yeah. But when, you know, that person who first comes across that box and running shoes, and then they want to find kind of shoes that were designed for CrossFit, their options in 2014 were two. Yeah. It was Innovate and it was Reebok. And then in January of 2015, it was four, right? So then it's a lot smaller, right? So it's like, how do we become relevant within this space of four? Right. And the thing for us that we weren't ever really thinking about how are we going to compete, we were trying to th- we were always thinking about what are we going to say, and what connects with us. And so one thing that was very kind of clear with both me and Michael, we felt like big brands talk about you know where our products or where our shoes, and you're going to be able to run faster, jump higher. We're going to make you stronger, and we didn't agree with that. You know, it was just like the only thing that's going to make you faster, stronger, any of these things is you putting in the work. And that's where kind of the whole noble mentality, no excuses uh, comes from. And that's connected really, really well within the the broader CrossFit community. But we're also seeing it starting to connect in other uh, communities as well related to group fitness. Or you see starting to see, you know, noble popping up at Equinox and Lifetime and Berries and all these other places where the mentality um, is connecting with people. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious your thought on. So you you come into this world clearly with a with a really deep understanding of marketing and branding um i'm i'm, I'm curious what you say to a- anybody from uh crossfit gym owners to startup founders to people m- maybe in more established businesses about um how important it is because because what you're talking about is is building an emotional connection to a brand and not relying just on product spec and i think when i look out at the world the the businesses that struggle to me are the ones who think that pointing to the product spec is going to be the answer to all their prayers, right? And what you're saying, and we went back, you know, go back to this notion of building a brand before you had a product. You know, you Mm -hmm. couldn't, you couldn't point to the specs on your shoes because you didn't have any yet, right? So I'm curious what you say to, to people in positions who are, you know, need to balance this idea of creating the best products in the world. And and Ben, I'll throw it to you too, because, you know, thinking about the gym or thinking about Comtrain, creating the best product you can build, but that not being enough? Or like, how do you how do you talk to, how do you think about, okay, yeah, we're going to do the best product we can, but that's not enough. We have to do X. We have to put this on top of it. We have to infuse it with emotion, right? Um, you know, what do you say to people who are struggling to figure out, like, how do I, how do, I do that? I thought I just had to make the best app that I could make, and, but it's not working. Yeah. So for me, it, it starts with, it's not about you. It's about them. 
right? And it's about them being your customers and their their needs. Um, more so than I think a, a lot of times entrepreneurs will create a product, whether it's an app, whether it's a, you know, a shoe or a coffee mug, mm-hmm. um, and then say, this is the best thing out there and then try to sell it to people yep. um, and not start the other way around, which is, you know, what are the what are the needs, right? Mm-hmm. And so for a noble perspective, you know, the needs that we looked at were about, you know, when you make that transition from a running shoe to a training shoe, what is it that you need, right? And so it's stability, it's durability, um, and there's no reason it can't look good, right? So that was kind of the filter. And so we went looking for materials like the the uh, upper on our, our training shoe uh, super fabric is a highly durable material. It's a military grade material. Makes a lot of sense for everything that you'd be doing uh, in CrossFit from rope climbs and other things. Um, it's super stable for the Olympic lifting that you do in that. So it was it came from a purpose around what the needs were going to be. Um, and then we talked about it in kind of ways that were uh, in line with the, the, the noble mentality. Mm hmm. Ben, how do you think about that? How do you think about what what else needs to be there above and beyond? You know, I think about comp training. Like, yes, you have to have the best programming you can. Mm-hmm. Dot dot dot. <clears throat> um, whether it's comp train or it's the gym, where yep. I think it um, it comes down to connection and the people that you're speaking to feel like um, you get them. And if you're messaging it appropriately, again, as Marcus just said, if you're messaging it about you, there's no connection. Mm-hmm. You, no one's really excited about going out to lunch with somebody that just constantly talks about themselves. They want to find out about you. And if you speak to them and their needs, as Marcus alluded to, um, that's where the connection starts with. And it, I particularly like the idea of um, whether, you know, overtly or like alluding to the fact like, Hey, we realize this isn't for everybody. You know, I think that when most brands talk about the product, it's like it's ubiquitous. This is for everybody and everybody needs this because it's the best. And when you talk that way, people tend to tune you out because not, that's not the case right. for most things. Certainly not special things. If this is special, it's got to be special for me. So this kind of underlying expect or um, kind of message that this just might not be for you, but if it is... Oh boy, mm-hmm. like you're, this is, you are really going to like this because mm-hmm. you are one of us. And if you, you can talk to people and they understand like that you understand them, that's when there's the, the stronger connection. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious as we start to wrap up this conversation, um, where, ha- what are the, what have, what have been the biggest, um, learning opportunities, learning experiences for you as you guys start to continue to, to evolve Noble and grow it? Where have you, um, what what big things do you know now that you didn't know when you started? That is a great question. It evolves, right? So I think there are definitely phases. Right now- um, can, I just, can you just like uh, maybe give a like a, a really high level of like where, I mean, we know where it did start. It started with an idea mm-hmm. and then where you are right now because yeah. it, it might still seem like a, a little bit of an idea to people, yep. but uh, maybe give a little bit of a, a picture of what what Noble is right now. Yeah, so, so we launched kind of officially at the East Coast Championships in uh, January of 2015. Uh, focus primarily or at the time exclusively on the on the CrossFit market. And it and when we first launched, it was one of those things where um, 
we did not have a lot of products and you know you would not see noble you know you very little noble around so in the the games in 2015 you know we saw a, a small number of pairs uh games 2016 um quite a uh, a few more 2017 so it's just been growing mm. you know quite a bit that way um, but also seeing noble kind of all over the world so you know on our website we've had visits from every country on earth uh, last year with the exception cool. of north korea and, and uh, uh guinea Bissau and west africa so michael and i are like wow. he's gonna go to north korea i'm gonna go to uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, west africa um, i feel like he drew the yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we didn't really talk about it i was just like <laughs> hey you go there i'll go here um but it, it's it's become globally relevant it's been very interesting i haven't been into a crossfit box um in the world in probably two years. So I haven't seen at least uh, a one pair. Um, and we're starting to see it kind of expand beyond CrossFit. So uh, we signed our first non-CrossFit athlete, Will Greer, who's a quarterback for the mm. uh, Carolina Panthers, um, very recently, and starting to uh, see a lot more um, NFL, NBA, um, you know, Major League Baseball, hockey players um, uh, reaching out and, and wearing Noble uh, and training in Noble, which has uh, been really, really exciting. Um, so for us, it's uh, it's at a place where, you know, we have kind of, you know, within the, the training space, uh, global relevance, but how do we start to expand that into, you know, the global, you know, customer base I, I i see the growth from the internal side as much as i do from the mm -hmm. outside because what you're creating is um is this exponential growth and i, I just like to you know because i i manage a couple companies mm -hmm. and it's like it's just seeing what's going on there is the way i like to talk about it is like uh christmas parties oh yeah and the first christmas party we had was maybe six people mm -hmm. in the warehouse and the next one was at the restaurant in him yep. and that was probably like uh 12 to 15 with spouses so with, yeah, yeah. so it was like very you know like and then the next year um well the next year was was this past year no there was one in between there maybe yeah but we're there was at like um in the high 20s and then the last six months it's doubled in size again and now yeah. you're a how many employees now? So yeah, that's a great way of looking at it. So we're uh, right around sixty. We're at a point where I just don't. I always don't and know because there's so many at, people. So just in reference that like Christmas was six months ago right. and they were at twenty five. Right. So it's like you doubled in size yeah. in the last six months. Yeah. So we had so in twenty fifteen when we when we launched the uh, only full time noble people were uh, me, Michael, and Todd. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, you know, volunteers, part-time people. And then uh, uh, Jed, who's on our marketing team, uh, was the uh, second person who hired right when we first got an office. So when we launched, we didn't even have an office. Mm -hmm. It was us working out of our homes. And he literally came in for his interview. I think the day we moved into the new office, it was empty. It was like a warehouse with two box jump boxes. <laughs> and Michael and I are literally mopping the floors. Mm -hmm. And Todd is interviewing Jed. Um, and then by the the end of 2015 we had about probably five or so full-time mm -hmm. noble people um and then some part-time people coming in and then when we moved to the new office in uh, where we are right now in the in uh, the leather district of boston we had about 10 to 12 um so really in the last 14 15 months um it's like just exploded 5x mm -hmm. yeah, yeah yeah and so um you know and and we're continuing to hire we're getting into retail so we've got a store in soho store here in Boston. We're doing a pop-up um, in the seaport, uh, opening uh, uh, a pop-up in LA uh, at some point this summer, Miami in the fall. Um, so there's a, a, a lot of going, uh, a lot of growth there. And then when you think about those employees, you know, by the end of the year, it's uh, the numbers gonna be a lot higher. 
So I'm not going to let you off the hook. What are the um, what are the uh, Love it. what are the big things that you um, you know now that you didn't know when you started? So the big things I know now, it doesn't always go as planned, and be patient. Um, you know that is a, a, a critical thing. Things will go wrong. Just be just be ready for them. Um, it's very rare that uh, there is a true disaster, mm. right? So it's a, you know FEMA deals with disasters. Um, you know. It's nothing that's happened in our business is actually that bad. Um, right now, it is all about um, empathy and understanding and uh, hiring. Mm. Big. Last words from you? In terms of what? In terms of having Marcus here. Oh. <laughs> I didn't know if you were throwing the no, question. No, I'm not going to throw you the hard one. I was like, what, what's, what do I think Marcus is <laughs> Yes, that sounded that, pretty good. Now that you present that, yes. What are, what are the big lessons that Marcus? Um, no, I just think that uh, um, you know I've uh, Marcus has become one of my mentors. He you know, is one of my really, really, really good friends, um, but also become a mentor and a person that I um, lean into a lot in terms of advice, um, particularly on the the business side of things. Um, and having you as a resource to go to for so many different things. Particularly, number one in the the branding and um, marketing world, like the way that you have just systemized. You know, there's yes, there's the marketing funnel, but then you pull that out, and the way that you just talk nonchalantly about, well, it's all about you know average client value, and you take that and remember how much does it cost to produce uh, the next. And so, it's um, it's so amazing to have um, you as a resource to um, to learn from and. Um, I am so excited for the next little phase and iteration because I feel like we're about to enter like noble, like maybe it's, I don't know if it's 2.0, but um, it's a, yeah, I feel like we're in such a different world than we were just a year ago. So it's really cool to be a part of. Awesome. Sounds, sounds like we should have Marcus on again soon then. Yeah. Right. This is, it'll be a different world in a year. <laughs> All right. For sure. Well, thank thanks you. for having me. The feeling course, is absolutely uh, mutual, uh, Ben, for sure. For sure. Very cool. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you. You can get every episode of Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Until next time, thank you for listening.